Hi everyone. Welcome to Unjustified True Beliefs, the podcast in which we talk about the beliefs we have and validate them using philosophy, psychology and maths. Today we have on our podcast Kruti, Momita, Shruti, Abhijay, Jyoti and Akshay. And we're talking about game theory and how it applies to real life. To jump right into it, we'll start off with a game and my two unwitting participants will be Akshay and Momita. Okay, so this game is called the ultimatum game. So Akshay, in this hypothetical scenario, I am going to give you a hundred bucks. Okay. And you have to divide this hundred bucks between you and Momita. Now contingent on the factor that Momita accepts your division of hundred dollars. If she declines, neither of you get any money. If she accepts, both of you get the money. So your idea is to maximize your gains. So how would you go ahead and divide this uh, money between you and Mamata? Or with the assumption that Mamata should accept. And yeah, go on. So so since I'm very new to this, uh, I have a few questions. Does Mamata know about the maximum money we have, say of $100? Does she know that? Yes. Yeah, she already... I am in the same call, right? Yeah. Yeah, we are in the same call. She knows the game. Just give a number. All right. I'll not think much. I'll go with 50-50. And... Okay. Yeah, I'll offer Momita $50. And uh, Momita, would you accept a 50-50 split? Yeah, 50-50 seems... Sounds fair and equal, right? So, yeah, I will accept it. Cool. And that's a good segue. You said fair and equal, Mamata. What is the least amount you would have accepted if Akshay had split it? Uh, maybe, maybe 20? Okay. 20, 10? Okay. Okay. Yeah. And uh, Akshay, what do you think if you were playing with a new participant and you did not have this information that Mamata, that Mamata just gave you that she would have to be happy with 20 or 10? What do you think is the maximum you could get away with? I could even get away with uh, $99 at my side and, you know, just giving them $1. But Mm -hmm. uh, obviously the risk of us together losing out money would have increased there. Considering the party in front of me would know that I am, you know, going away with 99 would probably lower Mm -hmm. the chances of them accepting the, their, their portion. Yeah. So I think since I know Momita and I think that also came into picture, 50 sounded there. <laughs> I see. I see. That's a fair thing. Okay. And that's a good point. So this was a game. This game is called the ultimatum game in which you are given a set of conditions and uh, you have the second party has to accept your conditions. Otherwise, you both lose out. If they, the other party accepts that those conditions, you both gain. So in this particular scenario, since both of you walked into this hypothetical room with zero bucks, nothing into your name, anyhow, you would have divided the money, Akshay, it would have been in your benefit to accept that money because you're walking out with more money than you walked in with, right? Mamata? Yep. If you were, but in, like you said, the the point becomes fair and equal, right? So this is both a 
definition or an example of how game theory games work and also why they don't work in real life because we have this concepts of fairness and equality over rationality so yeah yeah so this was the example and to make it a little bit more formal i'll quickly specify what a game in game theory is and what are the assumptions behind it so the game requires more than one participant so if you are playing minesweeper or solitaire while those are games in the real world in the constraints of game theory they're not games they require at least one or more player the second rule is the payoff is well defined the third rule is strategies are well known that you at every point you guys should know each other that what are the available strategies to each other the fourth point is not a rule but an assumption which is of rationality so that's it um that's the definition of game theory so oh i had a doubt over there um uh, and uh, thank you for explaining like what what constitutes a game a game in the game theory sense but uh, will poker also qualify as a game i think most board games or most games with a specific a predefined rule set qualify as games because this they have at every point you know what strategies are available to the even if you don't know the decisions of all the players you know the strategies available to them so that's all the requirement is so yeah let's let's move a little bit closer from theory to real life let's talk about board games now let's talk about catan now for listeners who aren't aware catan is this uh game where you have resources available on your board board and your idea is to uh place buildings on those resources in such a way that you maximize the resources that you get every dice roll will give you resources based on where you've kept your tiles it's uh it's also a zero sum game because once someone has taken a resource you the other per, it is not available to anyone else so someone gaining a res, gaining uh, access to a resource means that other people are losing access to it so in that sense it is a zero sum game which is just a, another way of saying that not everyone can win if someone wins someone else has to lose so let's open the room now and ask say saransh um do you have a strategy that you usually like to follow in catan thanks for defining the game kartik uh, in catan the main objective is to get that those 10 victory points and there are different strategies a player can follow to get those 10 victory points it's by building houses uh, accumulating victory points building the longest road or building the largest army so like my strategy because i'm just a noob with catan so i try to build the houses and the uh, the hotels at the earliest so that i can get those points and uh, and i try to go for the best resources but i've seen people following different strategies and your strategy also evolve depending on what the other person is doing so if i if i'm going for building or gathering a certain resource to build a house and somebody takes up all those resources they can also steal and do other kind of stuff so my strategy always keeps on evolving depending on the move the other person makes 
but yeah my the basic winning strategy would be to build the houses and build the uh, hotels at the earliest that's what i go for i think uh, one thing in katan which would probably be very similar to what game theory says basically one thing game theory states that you know even if you to the best of your ability pursue your self interest in a cooperative game situation you will lose there's no way you'll come across the best outcome so if you look at that for katan so when you're playing uh, one thing is like uh, saranch mentioned you know you're making your houses your roads whatever works best for you but another aspect which we look at is how especially i would assume that uh, it's the case at least around mid part of the game when you achieve part of the game becomes to sabotage other players where you're strategizing to see you know hey he's trying to achieve something in this direction if i don't block him in that way he's going to ultimately win so you can't just pursue your self interest it has to be played as a wholesome game where you're strategizing and accounting the moves of the other side so i think in that sense it really plays in parallel with what game theory states to the point uh, which uh, kruti made about being rational and pursuing your own self interest that is what rationality says but start sabotaging someone else's game or doing some moves which are irrational can be a overall a better strategy in according to uh, game theory right so in real life situations maybe there is not one winner but in katan there is one winner so when you look at uh, your uh, game theory matrix in a lot of times you have one absolutely winning situation uh there are two situations where both can evenly do better than the situation of uh, completely losing out but in katan everybody else loses there's only one person who's going to win so it is also about picking that outcome which sabotages everybody else I- any board game right only one person can win yeah yeah because it ends as soon as you win it ends i mean i, I was trying to think but i can't think of a game where you know it goes on till whoever wins wins i have a thought in mind on this and with your permission i'll move slightly away from katan to you know give yeah, this yeah, example sure. so uh, we are all fam- familiar with monopoly or you know business what we understand Which in india like uh, while it also has the same concept yeah it has a very similar concept of you know one has the biggest empire or biggest uh, uh, number of houses or hotels wins but uh, as you keep on having more and more players i have experienced people partnering with others to you know earn a greater good now not necessarily earn a greater good for the entire board but earn a greater good for say that partnership so among four players maybe two partner with each other so that they prosper and the rest two uh, they are able to win over the other two and uh, it might be of interest for me to win along with say shruti over kartik and saransh as a group because i am competing separately with saransh and probably shruti is competing separately with kartik so it uh, benefits me to partner with shruti to compete against both of you so i know this is kind of a hybrid kind of a thing where shruti and i and uh, saransh and kartik are working together as a collaborative cooperative kind of a game uh, strategy while against each other we are still I think in fact in Catan this is formalized because negotiations are allowed in Catan where you can exchange cards you can trade cards trade is a concept in Catan so that was a very something very similar i was going to say too that uh, in your ultimatum game for example it's a one round game where even if you run the ultimatum game multiple times uh, this was something we had done in my class in the mba 
where uh, in the first round you will see that people end up taking a lot grabbing a lot more uh, and if you play only one round then people end up taking a lot more uh, because they don't have to face the consequence of their actions but if you run the game multiple times you will see that it becomes more and more fair because they know that their actions have consequences in the next round so katan is something like that because if you start trading uh, in the beginning itself if you start sabotaging others you will see the consequences of that in the next so that happens where people do uh, make more fair moves in the starting of the game so that uh, they are more cordial with everybody else and they are not cut off and but as it keeps going deeper into the game people get more cutthroat ashi that's quite interesting and i wanted to add on to that that uh, when you said as the game went on for a, for more number of rounds uh, we don't have such human evaluations uh, in the for social science studies but we can actually figure out computationally how these game theory games would what their outcomes would be like when in a scenario where people are cooperating and uh, one is the axel rods strategy games where one important outcome from those games was so one strategy that actually was very good throughout and was consistent was tit for tat let's say based on on your particular move the other guy is not cooperating so you would also not cooperate and over time if you keep following tit for tat then the optimized result would be that both will either win or it's not rational it's which they perceive as fair yeah they'll both reach like a optimal outcome i see so the tit for tat strategy was the one which was the most optimal then the other one was a, a more forgiving strategy would be what do you mean by optimal though like when you say optimal what is the optimal result and uh, optimal would be something in terms of nash equilibrium but nash is not optimal nash is just the point where people won't move away no it it is a point where uh, there is no payoff or like both parties cannot improve their games gains after a certain point just for the listeners we should clarify that yeah what abhijay just said this is the definition of a nash equilibrium a nash equilibrium is a concept in game theory which is a strategy that people converge on to because we are, there is no possible way to increase your gains if just one player make changes their strategy so it is it becomes an equilibrium that if everyone's following the strategy any one player deviating from that strategy will result in their loss so this is called the nash equilibrium that's what i'm saying that it may not be the most optimal result for the players it is just the result where you know that uh, anything that the opponent is going to do does not change your outcome now if you take an example for uh, just take any two companies that are there right if they decide to price their products high that is the place where they will achieve maximum profit but that is the optimal solution for them theoretically but you always know that there is going to be some competitor company who is going to come and undercut that price and take away the market from you so because of that it's not the optimal solution it is just the solution you know that the outcome is not going to change no but if we look if we look at if we look at the first game that we played in the podcast itself uh, akshay versus momita and what happened was akshay went for 50 50 in the beginning itself akshay's was nash equilibrium yeah but then uh, just a just a quick point here if if akshay was not offering me money 
because I, I think Karthik was asking me, right, that what is the least amount of money you would be okay to accept and otherwise you would reject the offer. Now, if it was something like Akshay offering me, I don't know, paneer paratha, for example, I, I, I would have very different standards. So it's also kind of dependent on how much you value what you're being offered, right? And and you can't always think of monetary costs. It can also be in terms of, I don't know, what people value. It can be time or opportunity cost, if you want to say. And that can be measured different ways. So, so yeah. So, I, I think you have to look at what you're offering people. And, and that will, yeah, decide. And actually, I wanted to add to Abhijay's point as well. And Shruti, while you, while I understand you are uh, looking at it from a particular player's perspective in the entire game, uh, but if you look at the entire system but as I a whole, I think realistically I understand what you guys are saying. If you look at the entire system as a whole, and if you allow people to infinitely, you know, refine their strategies over a period of time, that is where I feel uh, one would end up at the Nash equilibrium, because uh, absolutely huh, understand. That, that's what I, you know, could take away. Exactly. In the particular example where you quoted that someone would drop a price, the other player will also drop a price. So, understanding the strategy of everyone in the game, it is the Nash equilibrium to not start dropping the prices. That would be the stage where you want to be left at. If you have to consider the situation of all the players that are playing. Yeah. So, actually, I can uh, take this concept and tie it back to real life and say, like, Shruti was mentioning playing the... um, ultimatum game repeatedly and we come come to an equilibrium of sorts right and i want to uh, talk about how humans think about fairness like the it's it, the equilibrium that we achieve in the game might not always be fair like uh, in this case it happened to be fair because people are being punished for being unfair but there is something called the tragedy of public goods which is literally uh, that the example that's most applicable is paying taxes, right? If everybody pays taxes in the system, you everybody gets the maximum benefits. But sooner or later, somebody in the system realizes that, hey, if I don't pay taxes, everyone else pays taxes, I get a slightly higher return because I'm not paying taxes. And then slowly, one by one, everyone starts to realize that what the heck, we are, we should not be paying taxes as well. And then everybody stops paying taxes and the the gain that everyone gets slowly starts reducing. This is called the tragedy of public goods. And so at the end of this thing, if you ask anybody, was this fair? They'd be like, no, it's unfair that this is happening, that our gains have slowly reduced over time. But it's, this is how it is. There's another aspect to this that, uh, Momita earns $200, I earn $100. I'm expected to pay $10 in tax, while Momita is expected to pay $20 in tax. And okay. from a public benefit perspective, we both get more or less the same benefits from the public authorities. That in itself can be a perceived yeah. uh, differentiation, which then probably moves in this direction. Tragedy of public goods. Actually, it's a very interesting that uh, you brought this up. Because I was like few days back, I was watching a video on the GameStop uh, tragedy that happened. It was a tragedy because I'll get to it at the end. So what happened was okay. In a brief summary, 
people try to hold on to the stocks or bought more stocks in order to so that they can actually punish some of these corporate firms in the first place who were trying to like make money from GameStop. So the GameStop is a company which it deals with games, uh, the hardware involved in games and like less and less people have started to invest in those. What happened was people held on to their stocks for a longer period uh, so that they can basically punish these corporate companies. And then in the in the end, what happened was a, a couple of these corporate companies also joined in and tried to hold on to those stocks. So in the end was what was what what the public had wanted to do was punish these corporate companies. But a couple of other companies also joined in with the public and they gained more money. So in the end, like no, what, what the public had wanted to do, their objective wasn't achieved because like someone's loss was again, like some other companies uh, gain in that kind of scenario. I mean, with the taxes also, isn't that what is going to happen? Like uh, a bunch of people decide, okay, we are not going to pay taxes. and Because it benefits them a little more than if they didn't pay taxes. But if everyone didn't pay taxes, it hurts everybody. So that's that's literally the tragedy. That if uh, if 1% does it, it benefits them. But if everyone doesn't do it, it doesn't benefit anybody. A philosophical question, like we talked about zero-sum games, right? And we talked about how Catan is a zero-sum game that if someone has to get a resource, someone else has to lose it. Do you guys think in real life, getting rich is a zero-sum game? This is a very philosophical question. Do you think gaining money is a zero-sum game? Or do you think it's not, it's a positive-sum game where multiple people, do you think you have to take money from someone else, so to speak, from some part of the world for you to become a little richer? I would like to say no. You know, that will firstly make... uh my life a better place <laughs> and secondly I, I, literally, I literally believe in this that when you give is when you get oh. and more more from an ec- economics pers- purposes also we need flow of economy to happen for any mm-hmm. uh, any economy to progress so you know cutting my entire theory short I would say yes it is not a zero sum game for me Okay, okay. It's. I agree with Akshay. So, like, as an individual, again, I don't believe uh, I have to take from somewhere to increase mine. But, mm-hmm. uh, like, if we talk about, like, if I was a company, I'm not a human, I'm a company. So, I have to gain market share, right? So, or something, I just have to get more consumers to my product. So, in that case, I think I would have to uh, take from somewhere else to increase my uh, yeah increase my belt. I, I also think it's a limited pie I do think it's a limited pie if it is going to someone it is coming from someone because okay. I think that, like Jyoti mentioned in the company's example everybody has a sh- share in something they want to spend and if you're going to put it in one company if not the other I think even from an individual standpoint at a very micro level, it is like that, that every time you gain, it is coming from somebody that I think I believe that. Hmm. It's not probably from your inner circle where you're directly snatching it from somebody, but it is something it's coming from somebody else. 
yeah i mean see like we all get paid we work we get paid it's coming from a company but it's not like really i'm stealing away from them that's the work we did for them i just meant in a way that you know like there is money to get and there are uh, 10 people getting it so that sort of way i mean obviously someone has to give it the company has to give the money someone has to give you money but if there are 10 people getting it some will get less some will get more for whatever reason so in that sort of way a good example is the budgets we have in our team like if you are a team of 20 people there's a budget for a bonus now when you split that bonus somebody is going to get more of it and somebody is going to get less of it so i think at a very uh, i i don't know like a, a smaller example of the larger scale i think it is somewhat like that i just wanted to add my hr angle and continue with the philosophical discussion which kk started while you are right the budget is limited we we tend to look at only one aspect of the gain which we have in life which is you know financial but from an hr perspective we we try to you know balance such things out with a lot of non monetary benefits a lot of growth opportunities a lot of perceived benefits which might be different for each one of us some of you might be satisfied with your compensation for example i'm going very deep into a very particular example some of us would be uh, comfortable with our salaries but we would like broader roles more more challenging work maybe a a, a different a different role, job responsibility so um, i would say that we have a lot of scope to explore what our gains are which i would say is endless i agree with what jyoti was saying what shruti was saying and i also i completely agree with what akshay just mentioned about uh, so to just to add my thoughts i you can say financially it is a zero sum game but at the end of the day yeah if you if you only look from a financial angle maybe but if you are looking at it holistically a person who's taking away let's say 100 dollars from you and leaving you with 0 dollars he's also taking away that headache with the 100 dollars right i mean the 100 dollars has a lot of costs associated with it if that makes sense like if somebody is taking away someone's house you're also taking away the headache of a security of setting up a security camera or setting up locks for the house so it's it's not so simple in real life it's it's not exactly a zero sum game because with more money or more assets also comes more stress more headaches blah 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 so at the end of the day it's not exactly a zero sum game i think the pie as we are assuming is not always limited i think with collaboration and cooperation the size of the pie can be increased and the share each person gets can differ as well like for example the example which shruti quoted that the budget is limited but the budget is dependent on the overall performance of the team so let's say collaboratively and cooperatively you succeed in improving the performance to an extent such that the budget itself is much higher from what you gain overall it's i don't think that mindset is necessary that the pie is always limited and i am always taking something from someone it doesn't have to work like that i i think so especially for a much more peaceful happy life guess this topic uh, brings different kind of emotions for different people the way i look at money is also in a line with the uh, akshay's view i think money is just a representation of value like if you look at the the amount of money is there in the world just a physical currency that is finite but value is 
I don't think that that has a cap to it. Like with with time, the number of money or the coins or the physical paper that will exist in the world that will increase. So if you look at it in a larger scheme of things, I think it it is not finite, but at a moment in time, it will be finite. That that's how I perceive it to be. Like if you play the same game for a long time, then yeah, there'll be more opportunities to earn money, and that would not be hurting anyone's uh, pocket. Okay, so on a somewhat related note, uh, what happened during the Cuban Missile Crisis is also related to the zero sum game. And in a brief summary, what happened was that U.S. and Russia were basic. They had they were in the midst of Cold War, and Russia decided to place missiles, nuclear armed missiles, really close to the U.S. side in Cuba, and. the us found out through a spy or reconnaissance aircraft and there was a huge standoff they decided to put a naval blockade around cuba and the world was on the brink of a nuclear war in the end both parties stood down after 13 days and what happened during like uh, towards the end was that both it was a win win for everyone because the nuclear war did not happen and in terms of superpower cooperation i would say this was like somewhat like a zero sum game where both parties came came to like an optimal solution and in the end there was a hotline established between uh, nikita khrushchev the then president of russia and john f kennedy uh, the then president of the united states and since then probably the cold war was on its decline so it was it, it was uh, for the good of all in the end what happened and it is also a very good example for uh, wars in the future that that uh, there can be peace like peace can always be established uh, at some point of time so i have a question here abhijay uh, my in my understanding a zero sum game is where when one wins the other one loses so would this be considered as a zero sum uh, game from a game theory perspective where both of them won by not doing anything i don't think that would qualify as a zero sum game unless my understanding is not right could could there be a draw in a zero sum game could be a be a scenario where 50 50 is the best like chess we say that is a zero sum game but there are draws so there's just not competitive game theory games there's another thing which is non competitive games which is something related to collaborating in some way and you gaining something out of it and they gaining something out of it it's much more complex mathematical modeling to solve such games so i think it will be considered as a game in game theory but maybe not something as simplistic as like catan mm. where you know you win or you it's because you're only there's only one aspect you're fighting for right in a non zero sum like game you can be looking for multiple aspects like let's say two people go for war and one person wins while you may win the war you may lose in other aspects right maybe a lot of people die lose there resources of, people yeah direct. there are a lot of aspects you're fighting on so the marginal return of each of them by not indulging in the war may be much higher so it's 
it's it's not a one outcome game which is the only positive outcome that can happen like for katan and stuff if you don't lose there's really nothing so it's something like that i guess because you are fighting over multiple elements right hmm understood so i wanted to move on and to the final uh, segment of our show which is like which is, why doesn't uh, game theory or where does game theory fall short in real life um and to establish this let's talk about what the game is again in a in a theoretical setting and then let's see what all is not usually uh which which factors fall short or which are not so game theory had the game in game theory had a couple of rules were one was it should have more than one player the second was the complete set of strategies available to all players in the game should be well defined third was a payoff should be well defined and fourth was the assumption of rationality usually in real life i guess all of them don't apply at any given point of time but i was wondering if you guys had any thoughts that which one do you think is the most apparent to you guys that is most easily saying that is not applicable to real life at this point rationality hmm yeah i think so too i like, don't think that is ever possible truly possible ever truly possible that's not going to happen true. yeah that was applicable yeah, in us small game in the beginning yeah we comprise of both logic and emotion and once emotion comes into play and people are much more concerned about being treated fair than the necessary outcome so yeah. rationality is a irrational assumption if momida was playing with a stranger if she was getting money from a stranger first of all like you chose akshay to decide if you would have chosen momida to decide her thoughts would have been different anyway mm-hmm. momida would have uh, gotten whatever amount of money from a stranger her reaction and response would be different than getting the money from akshay because she has known akshay for a given amount of time and has some whatever basic expectations or what you know from him so again rationality or lack of rationality so there i think while while that is true uh, that because they know each other uh, they're more likely to be fair but however i think even in negotiations and situations where you completely don't know the other party you have this expectation of being treated fairly for example let's say you're someone who are a new player entered into a business or anything like that and you're working with some partner and let's say the competing price for your product is 10 dollars but because you're a new player someone is trying to undercut you and say that you know hey i'll pay you only 7 dollars even with 7 dollars you may be walking away with a profit but you will not be okay with it because you know that you're being treated unfairly for the same thing yeah very true actually i studied a thesis by someone from mit uh and they did a large scale study on prisoners dilemma not getting into the details of what it is but uh, it is also it is also a game theory game which is based on cooperation and then in the uh it is will it be somewhat similar to the zero sum game i don't know exactly but uh, the kind of games in in the study were like let's say the chicken game where two cars are coming uh, at each other and each each player is in one car so the first one to chicken out would lose but if they both crash into each other then also they lose so 
Now, through several of these games, they tested like 800 participants. And talking about like brass tacks, uh, the findings from, from the study were that the games which had higher payoffs had less cooperation in them. And it actually makes sense too. And based on, let's say, uh, other findings like uh, considering factors like gender, then a very interesting finding from that was that women tend to cooperate more with each other and men choose to... Um, uh, men Become the alpha male? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, they, they tend to deceive others or not cooperate, not cooperate uh, with people and try to steal most of the time. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. So the rationality is clearly one of the things. The other thing I wanted to talk about was this, uh, the rule that all strategies should always be clearly known to everybody. And there is a certain set of, uh, like this was clearly never true. Like we never know what's going to happen. So we don't know what strategies the other party has here in the other party could be something like nature itself. And when it's something as big as nature, the event could be called like a black swan event. Like what happened in Texas? We have a, a subject matter expert right here with <laughs> Mamita. And like this, it's something that could probably never be anticipated, right? In this case. And yeah. uh, there is no way you can strategize for that. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, black swans are called that, right? Like it's prospectively unpredictable but retrospectively predictable i mean after everything is done you'll be like oh i saw that coming yeah yeah there was there was no grid lines they have a central grid line it was bound to fail but then before that no one saw it coming but i think that again is part of our reason to be rational about everything we have to justify that it happened because of this but then there is a way of dealing with black swan events like if you consider murphy's law from the beginning that whatever will go wrong will go wrong if you Again, I mean, how many possibilities of going wrong can you consider? Exactly. Right? exactly. But then at least you can kind of have some baseline or benchmark if you do have Murphy's Law somewhere sitting on your uh, rationality uh, framework or whatever you use to make decisions, then maybe you can de- deal with things a little better. Yeah. Then, yeah. One more thing which we missed was uh, around how do we define outcomes in these games. So the assumption is that we have a defined outcome and a defined uh, payoff. But uh, in real life, I think, like we discussed earlier also, payoffs can be very differently perceived for the players in a particular game. And uh, that totally breaks the entire rule of the game theory. So the payoff for one player might be something different and for the other player might be something totally different altogether and that's where the uh, you know the concepts may not necessarily work one thing i'm and i'm just being philosophical here uh, in life eventually all of us want to be happy and that's something which is very difficult to quantify as well and that's where that you know ties back to the uh, my thought process of thinking that you know we can always have a, a win-win situation in most of the uh, games of life and it does not necessarily have to be a zero-sum game always. all right guys this has 
been a great discussion uh, thank you all for contributing this i've learned a lot we this was a great discussion we went from theory to philosophy to practicality and everything in the middle so yeah thanks for listening to unjustified true beliefs follow us on whatever podcast player you listen to us on leave comments give us feedback and tell us how we doing catch you next time see you